Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Artsy Fartsy Immigrants. It's just me here, Jordan, once more, but I have interviewed a very special guest today. Um, I had the immense pleasure of talking to musician John Kenzie, who is from the UK and just immigrated to Hamburg here in Germany. Uh, so I won't waste too much time. I think it was a really great conversation. He's a lot of fun. Really, really nice guy. Super talented. Please go check out his music. Uh, yeah, here's my interview with John Kenzie. Hey, John. Nice to hear you, man. Nice to hear you. How you doing? Uh, good. I think it's, I mean, I think it's pretty fair to say that it's been a crazy couple of years for all the musicians that I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Um, yeah, I, I'm really glad that you, that you found the time. Um, I wanted to, I, I wanted to bring you on the podcast a long time ago. I think the last time I saw you in Munich, actually. Um, you had, you had played by this old set. Well, I had, the, for those who like, so I'm, I'm already rolling now. Um, cool. but it's, it's just yeah, an easy conversation. Basically for those who don't know, I did this, I hosted this session in Munich at this cafe that I worked at called the Hoodoo Folk Session, which is a mouthful. And, uh, it was basically... Like I worked at this cafe during the day and then once a month, or I think it even became twice a month, um, we would rearrange the whole room and host um, a musician there. And you played probably one of the, if not if not the most memorable show there. Do you remember that? Uh, the one with the, with the girls? Yeah. Yeah, that was really nice. Man, that was incredible. I, I really, I got goosebumps from that show, and I think it was one of the, the most crowded ones that we had. Yeah, it was really nice. I mean, I remember seeing um, Matt play play there, uh, Matthew, um, and I, I thought that was amazing as well. Oh, dude, he's, yeah, he's so incredible. I, I haven't, um, do you know what he's been up to? Like, he was our very first guest on this podcast, like, two years ago. Oh really? Yeah, he was actually he was part of the the birth of this, which is it's so cool, and it's even sadder to say that I haven't heard from him in so long because of it. But um, like a few years ago, I had the idea for this show, and I didn't really know how to start, or I didn't really know like where to begin with it, you know. And yeah. so I just had a couple of microphones at home, and one weekend I just said, "Why don't we get?" Matt over here and we just chat and we just sat down with the mic set up had some some gin and tonic <laughs> and and we just we just chatted for like over an, like 90 minutes or something and it was really cool and really he was really open and 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 easy to talk to and I took that show to my to my friend Mo who's now like normally the co-host and producer of this show and um, we were playing a show together. We were actually in Brighton, uh, which is kind of an inside joke here because we always talk about it. But um, we played a show there and I brought it to his attention. Like, hey, I have this podcast idea. It's in English. I want to talk to 
people like myself who migrated to a different country with a different language and they try to make a living, you know, doing something creative. And uh, I interviewed this guy, Matt. He's, you know, super talented and it was really fun. And I gave him the, I gave him the, the show, like the wave file, and he loved it. And he pitched it to, the, to M94.5, this radio station in Munich. And uh, thankfully, they were looking for new podcasts. They had basically opened up a new podcast department and they didn't have any English shows yet. So now that station picked this up and distributes it. And he was the reason why. He was the first guest. Oh, awesome! Yeah, man, he was the, he was the pioneer. Uh, but okay, so John Kenzie, I've always wanted to have you on here. Um, I love your music, first off, and I've always been very. Like, first off, I, like you're one of those people that has a singing voice um, that you almost don't expect from from the way you talk. Like, um, you, it's just so much power behind it. And I love your lyrics and your style. Like, how would you, do you want to talk a little bit about how you started playing music? Um, yeah, sure. Um, I mean, I guess, I guess, um, I mean, I grew up in a little village in the south of England. And um, I I just kind of started off by going to jam sessions in the, in the local pub, actually. Um, and, and picking up little bits from the the local musicians that were like kind enough to kind of encourage me and um show me some kind of bluesy stuff and then um and then yeah it wasn't until like years later that I started writing my own tunes and like singing singing more seriously along with the guitar riffs that I'd been learning um yeah and then and then I headed up to Manchester at some point um did a degree in music I guess there's quite a big gap in between like <laughs> le- learning some stuff at a jam session and then doing a degree in music but uh <laughs> um, <laughs> that's a big that's a big commitment <laughs> yeah well like um, what so what what drew yeah. you towards towards blues I mean would you say that's the general style that you play yeah i think that's that's been it's always been probably the biggest influence but um uh i'd say yeah my genres are kind of blues folk and soul my main vibes i think it kind of depends what what mood i'm in to which ones i'm doing yeah i'd say that i'd say that fits i mean Definitely, yeah, definitely. I, I like when I think about you though. That for some reason blues sticks out the most. I mean, did you? When did you first come across playing blues? Was it was it you know at that time in your life, or were you listening to a lot of blues? You know. Yeah. Again, it's uh, it was in the village where I grew up. There's, um, I was I was kind of keen to learn guitar, but I would I'd been I'd had a guitar for a few years and was getting like the odd lesson but like nothing was really clicking and and then this old guy in the village um showed me some some blues stuff and then i just kind of fell in love with it from then on really and uh he gave me loads of uh uh tips on people to listen to like um like muddy waters and bb king and howling wolf and uh and then just from then on i just uh 
I, I think blues or having a passion for blues was, was enough to kind of drive me on musically. You've always uh, been somebody too that I, I always found your, your work ethic and your drive as like a, a self-employed sort of self-motivated musician to be very inspiring. Like what, um, like how did your journey start from when you, after your degree and you're playing shows? I mean, cause you, um, just to tell your story a little bit, like you always, you always handled everything yourself, right? Like every department. Yeah. yeah I mean, uh, I think like, uh, towards the end of, uh, being at uni, I was in a band called Beggar Joe and we were signed to, um, a small independent label and, um, that kind of, and we had, uh, they were also our managers, which is like a bad sign to, <laughs> to begin with. Um, and, it, and it had like a typical, uh, you know, cliche bad ending where um, they ended up trying to sue us, sue the band. Oh shit, why <laughs> Why did they try to sue you? Um, it's just because they were idiots really and they, uh, <laughs> I think their, their egos were bruised by the fact that we didn't want to work with them anymore once we realized what, what we're they were. Yeah, like that. when it gets, there's sometimes you run into people like this in the in the independent departments of the industry that are like, we run a label, we're publishers, we're distributors, we're managers and we're lawyers now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> And yeah, they're basically just jokers. And that's it. Yeah. And so, yeah, so that, that kind of, unfortunately that kind of killed the band because we were having more, uh, meetings with our lawyer than we were having band practices. And, okay. uh, by the time we got out of the contract cleanly, um, you know, we'd kind of just lost the momentum as a band, but I still, uh, had a lot of tunes that I'd written for us. So I decided to just, start a solo thing and and in many ways it was really freeing because i was uh you know i didn't have any of that band politics i mean we all got on but you know there's always some level of band politics and sure. involved in uh, especially with like the writing and who brings what and what direction you go creatively and 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 it was it was really nice to just kind of uh be the boss of myself and yeah. and also also you know putting different bands together when and where i needed it and getting the opportunity to play with lots of different musicians without you know um a, a sense of loyalty to them so that was really nice and then yeah from then on like i guess i was i just was kind of set out to start booking my own tours and um financing the production of my own albums and organizing in the the release of them and, and promotion and you know all the campaigns involved with with the release of an album uh and it was i guess it was you know uh, a learning experience along the way obviously i had some experience from working with past managers and and labels but um yeah uh, yeah, as you know, you know it's we we live in a, a time where it's also um, so much more possible for people to uh, independently release uh, music. So, was yeah, there, I jumped on that bandwagon. What What would you say? Like, 
Uh, the just first question was so after Beggar Joe, you didn't uh, join. You weren't in any other bands after that. You've always wrote, written solo since then. Yes, yes, that's right. What would you say? Because I, I'm similar in the way that um, I, I well, I didn't do it as as solo as as you've done it. Um, I've always kind of played with people in some way or another, but uh, under my name, but. Um, I had a few different bands back in New Orleans and I know exactly what you mean when you say about the sort of band politics. And I think yeah. there's an expression, I think it might be even from Mick Jagger. I don't know if you know what I mean. I think he says something like there's no such thing as a, as democracy in a band. <laughs> I think he's, yeah. I think he said that. Um, but I had a couple of bands where, um, it definitely was more of a challenge to get all of the departments, uh, all the categories, it seems like you have to do on your own these days, finished, because you either had to try and convince them, uh, other bandmates to do it when you thought it... Uh, I'm, it's hard to explain, but like, you know, people don't really understand how much goes into trying to make and sell music independently. I mean, it's sure. such a job, man. Like you just said, you know, yourself, not not just writing and singing the music, but then you think about, uh, you know, doing the artwork, saving the money, producing it, getting it arranged, getting musicians on it, getting it printed. Then there's, after that, then the real work even starts again. Then you've got, you know, promotion, you've got um, trying to give it give it out to to you know tastemakers and the like and try and get shows booked from that yeah and it's such a job and then when you're in a band sometimes like you can assign these responsibilities to other people but if if it's not like a consistent effort from everybody the the politics can really get frustrating because you 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 can con confront them at some point and say like have you you know, registered the tracks with uh, Gamma, for example, already. Did you do that? You were supposed to do that last week. And maybe yeah, they, sure, you know, yeah. people get lazy with it. And it all comes down to like, how much, like, how fast do you want things done? How much do you, do you think you could just do better yourself? Yeah, I like you say, you know, it, you, yeah, you're unable to share the load. So you're, you're taking on so much more. Uh, work for yourself doing it solo um but but you know you're the you're the only one to blame when you've not got around to doing something right uh, so right yeah and, and there's a lot uh, of pros as well to it i think like you know you were saying earlier about being your own boss there's there is there is something about that uh, it's kind of a freedom in a way it's a lot more responsibility but it's it is kind of rewarding too when you when you do accomplish something really cool right then you you really you've only got yourself in that regard to to be proud of yeah definitely i mean i i still um definitely prefer playing with other musicians you know just that you know feeding off another player's vibe and and the sort of like musical magic that comes out of those uh interactions that you can't really get by you know jamming with yourself <laughs> that's um, really true yeah <laughs> that's really true um, but you know like you say you, you can still you can still have that um but it's just uh, it, yeah, it doesn't come with that the band politics and also the the, the loyalty isn't there. So, I, I, it's funny. I found recently that 
I've just, I've just moved from Manchester to Hamburg and um, uh, in Manchester I have like a, a massive network of musicians that are you know very good friends and incredibly talented guys and quite often I could kind of take the piss a little bit with how much I ask of them you know I can get them <laughs> very good mates rates for studio sessions or oh yeah uh, or get them on a gig and barely pay them because I'm barely being paid and and, and so on and you know <laughs> that's so true yeah I know exactly what you mean and and it's interesting being here in Hamburg now. I, like most of the guys I know are other singer songwriters, and um, there's a there's a bit of a network of kind of very good musicians. Um, but I've I've noticed that basically I'm going to have to pay them to to do anything. You know, to come to a band practice, I'm going to have to pay them, and to do a gig, it's it's you know a minimum of. 250 euros and stuff and suddenly that becomes like okay right well i won't be doing that anytime soon oh, <laughs> so dude. that that has absolutely been my biggest burden as well is trying to pay i mean the musicians they earn it it's not like they're you know asking too much but sure. it's just how yeah. the how are we supposed to pay that <laughs> you know? yeah. uh you know that you'll see um like you'll get an offer for a gig let's say it's 750 but if you got it booked with assistance they take 20 percent, so you got 600 and if you're doing it as a trio well then you think okay do we want to split it three ways 200 but i'm still covering gas and um food and is there a hotel involved is that cost on top or do i say okay well my name is on the booking and it's my songs so do i take 400 and give them a hundred each that seems unfair and so you have all this kind of guilt and you're trying to do the math and it it's really it kills the magic a little bit yeah sure and you know it it depends on the on the quality of musicianship that you're looking for as well because you know i i definitely know guys um that you know would go out for for a hundred and and be cool with me taking 400 um but you know they're not they're not quite at the level that i would that I would like that kind of I that challenges me, um, right? So I mean, not to put them down, like you know, because it was you know, so you could still have uh, a great ex musical experience with any kind of caliber of musician. You know, it's it has that potential, but um, I think there's uh, something that's a lot easier when you get you know pros in. Yeah. especially you know the way i do it you know because it's not a band um and i i don't really want to be spending weeks rehearsing with a band up and to do a couple of gigs so you get some pro musicians in and my stuff's pretty simple really you know bluesy solely stuff just a few chords and it's more Same. about <laughs> nailing the grooves and yeah you get some pros in and they can like you know an hour late and they've, they've just got it nailed. And, uh, man, I think in Munich, I know, I think I know three or four guys exactly like what you're talking about. And that caliber of musician is also, also the kind of musician that, you know, when it comes down to what their rate is, that it's not even worth trying to negotiate because they, first off, they won't negotiate. And second of all, they deserve it. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. if they say two fifty for a show, and you know that they can get it in an hour. You're like, I'm not going to ask him if he can do less. He'll say no anyway, but, you know, he's yeah. he's showing up to do it. I mean, I had so many experiences like that. So many 
like in 2017, I think was the greatest run I had of shows like all around Germany. Mm-hmm. And um, I used some really great guys, man. I, but I, I basically came out of it with no money at all because I, <laughs> yeah. I, I split it amongst, I had, dude, I had a huge, a huge ensemble. Like I had a great drummer. I, I used two different drummers, but I used this particular one for most of the shows. And then I had um, like maybe the best. Well, actually, you know uh, Jake from. Don't you know Jake Ford from? He, you know that cafe you play that show in. He owns that cafe now. Oh right, yeah. The British guy. Um, right. Okay. I didn't know. I didn't know he was a musician though. Dude, he is. Um, he and I haven't played in a long time, but he is probably the best bass player I've ever ever worked with. Awesome. Um, and then, and then, yeah, then a really great keyboardist, and then this guitarist who's just like makes you want to quit because you know you'll never be that good kind of guitarist. <laughs> yeah. The guy that just gets it, like lap steel slide. You know, when it comes to soloing, when it comes to just supporting the groove, he just gets it. And these guys were so, I mean, understandably so expensive. So I know what you mean, like. Sometimes it's just worth it just to have the great a great performance, you know, and hope that you sell yeah, merch. <laughs> well, that's it. Like, yeah, you have to. It's it's a shame that you have to kind of make a decision between like a really special show and and um, delivering the tunes how you truly want to deliver them, or being able to make any money and and carry on surviving as an independent artist and right. and sadly most of the time for me the the decision goes the other way you know uh, i've got a gig in in hamburg uh, in a couple of weeks and you know it should be pretty decent pay and i definitely could afford well i could split the money with some musicians and still get decent money but i i'm not sure how we'll successful i'm going to be for booking gigs in the coming months so i need to like take every penny i can get and um yeah and you know make make the decision to to do the gig on my own unfortunately let's um let's let's take a little step back first because uh also you know you've toured a lot you visited through through germany a lot and several times over the years and stuff um i've only ever met you in munich and i know you have some friends here so when you First off, one, what made you decide you finally wanted to move to this country? And two, why Hamburg? Besides um, the fact that it's an awesome city. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah. Hamburg is, is probably definitely the top favorite uh, German city for me, I think. It's so cool. Um, I love it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 it's got so much going on, but also it's quite down to earth and... and oh homely sort of vibe to it as well um whereas i find like berlin can be a bit uh, intimidating at times and everyone's a bit too cool <laughs> dude absolutely i i talked about that the other day with somebody <laughs> we said like because yeah, we knew um um this this friend of ours who works in television had just moved to hamburg and i was like you know what that kind of fits him. Like he's a cool guy, but he's really friendly and, and still chill. And like, and he had considered moving to Berlin, which he said scares him. It's like, it's too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think so. 
And I guess, well, I, I mean, I guess the main catalyst was um, I, I split up with my girlfriend uh, at the beginning of the year. And um, oh, man, she was, she was the only reason that was kind of keeping me in England, really. I think I, um, I've always fancied uh, moving to Germany because, like, in the UK, um, it's so much harder to make a living playing your own music. You know, there's plenty of places to play, but, um, you know, barely anywhere that will, that will give you any kind of fair cut on the door or, or, you know, will most time expect you to kind of bring the audience with you somehow. Yeah. And, um, and it's just, yeah, it's just less feasible. So as a result, you end up, um, kind of getting in this trap of being in like cover bands as to make a living as a playing music, mm-hmm. which is fine. You know, it's been a, it's definitely been a, a valuable experience over the years, and I always managed to to play in cover bands that I um, uh, that was playing kind of tunes that I enjoyed playing. You know, I wasn't playing horrible pop tunes or whatever, but. Um, but I think bef- before the pandemic, I'd managed to let go of um, playing in cover bands. And just by traveling and going around Europe, I was able to make a living from my own music. And then the pandemic came along and the UK opened up a bit sooner than everywhere else. And I, my only option was to kind of go back to doing some more cover stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, and... And then this kind of opportunity came along, or however you want to look at it, and um, and I thought, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna get out and you know, and uh, head to Hamburg like I've always always fancied doing, and here I am. Man, it sounds like you literally did the making lemonade out of lemons thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah, man, and it's been it's been great actually since I've been here. It's. Um, it's kind of interesting, actually. I was re- I was reflecting on it earlier. Uh, how I've I feel so much. I mean, obviously it's early days, but I feel so much more productive than I did in Manchester. And I think a lot of it is to do with my association with, with Germany. Is that when I'm here, I'm I'm just here to play music, you know, to do gigs and to do jams and to to meet cool people and and um, you know, not just kind of sit around on my ass watching Netflix. And whereas, <laughs> hey, uh, what's wrong with that? No, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I've definitely been watching a, a little bit of Netflix, but <laughs> but somehow I've like it, it's it's come more naturally to just be doing music twenty four seven, and yeah. you know, and all the all the different facets within you know a life of music and. I've, yeah, I feel really, feel really good and productive. Man, it's it's a really like again this this inspiring drive you have. Like you see, you even see this fresh sort of start as a as a means of focusing on music twenty four hours a day. That's really that's what I meant at the beginning of like I don't know. I mean, I'm sure I know a few, but you're definitely in this top tier of people that finds a way to keep this drive going even through. You know, like you said, like a breakup or through the pandemic, like you're finding this uh, positive reinforcement through that. That's really cool, man. Oh, thanks, man. 
And with um, I was gonna I was gonna ask. Oh yeah. So you you talked about how you had um, really loved playing in Germany and stuff. And I think that I think that playing in New Orleans, uh, where I came from, is really similar to how you were saying um, playing gigs in the UK is where there's plenty of places to play. There's like never. Uh, you could play someplace five nights a week or six six or seven nights a week. But yeah. but the money isn't going to really be there. And like you said, they expect you to bring an audience with you. So the payout is never really great. You get like a two drink ticket and maybe, <laughs> you know, yeah. five at the door or something. And it's really and they don't promote it at all. They put a chalkboard outside the bar door. And um, yeah, I've had and, so and, many. And the... Go ahead. I was just gonna say, yeah, that's that's not surprising, and they, and because this, like America and and the UK, there's this so so much saturation of of music, which is you know on one hand is a great thing, and and why so much good stuff comes out, but but when you're when you're trying to it doesn't give you any power to the venues when you start if you want to say hey guys you know you need to pay us this amount otherwise we're not going to play then they'll just get one of the other hundred bands that's really keen to just play absolutely oh absolutely man there's so many fish in the sea that there's no chance to get the kind of fair rate or or I don't want to use the word respect but just like the this sort of community feeling of support that you hope to get from it yeah and yeah. When, when you play in Germany like I know at the beginning we were talking about how it's a little difficult to split rates with a band or something depending how much you get but still like anytime I, I think it's not really happened more than I'd say under 10 times there's been a booking either for a solo show or for a band or something in some capacity in Germany, either um, some restaurant bar is, is hosting like an acoustic night and they, they want to book you all the way up to uh, like a major, you know, several thousand people festival wants you to support like a named band. I've, it's very rare that it's ever happened where I've been offered a rate where I go like, well, that's not fair. It's been like, oh my yeah. God, oh my God, I never got this in New Orleans, you know? Yeah, 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 it's, it's, it's lovely, isn't it? It's so, it's so refreshing. It's really like, crazy how they support their artists here. And and even in that first episode that we mentioned with, with Matt, we talked about, I remember that now, we talked about how there's these government... Um, subsidies uh, and programs and stipends that you can apply for as a musician you know yeah. and they'll give you thousands of euros if you get through the application process of course but every single year they give out thousands there was um like even oh man this is so crazy what germany does even that reason that i was in brighton with with uh mo our co-host uh to talk about the podcast was because i was part of uh, bavarian music um, I don't know how you call it. Like, uh, I, I feel like I'm losing English the more that I study German. But um, <laughs> you know, this this um, sort of state-funded music artist support group thing, and yeah, sure. we, we you know we were a part of that. It was called Buy On, like B Bavaria On or something. And they had uh, selected me, but my my group, to go to Brighton to play the Great Escape Festival. Uh, as part of like representing Bavaria. Wow, and it, it was amazing. And like dude. your and how? Yeah, because I would have thought that most 
I've just started hearing about all these um, crazy, like, funded uh, support schemes, uh, which kind of blows my mind because there's nothing like that in the UK. And I never never heard anything like that in, I mean, maybe there is somewhere in the States because it's so big, but never in the South where I was from. Yeah. And I I think Canada has a lot, doesn't it? I think there's a lot of... um, tour uh funds for canadians so you, you you see a lot of them touring the the europe because um basically they get massive funding to subsidize it man that's so cool um, that's really yeah. cool uh yeah, yeah I, I, well i, I can I, send you a link actually after the show because there's um there's a there's one that you can still apply for in the next eight days. The the okay. application's still open, and you just fill out um, fill out a form and then write a few things down. Like um, let's say you're going to record you know some new singles or a new album or something. You just fill out like the project description, uh, why you believe you like what you would do with the money, like a calculation. Okay, here's the recording cost. Here's music video cost. Whatever. And submit it in, and maybe uh, when they announce it in July or August, maybe you can get it. And you think, uh, like, I would have a chance as, like, an English person in in Germany? Like, would they not, like, prefer to give it to, like, a, a young German girl <laughs> as opposed I mean... to an old English guy? <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's a totally that's a really fair question but I I think I've never uh I've never felt that I was really passed on in in any category by being uh non-German like you know that okay. bu- like that buy on thing accepted me like w- without much effort I just applied for it and got in and then that sent me to Brighton and it sent me to a a show in the Czech Republic that they paid for and that was really cool um and yeah. then and then also the same the same people got me a a, a spot at the Reaperbond festival at like the, <laughs> the same um like group held a stage for like three or four bands that were representing Bavaria so that was really easy and then um i know personally bands who have applied for this um the stipend thing that i'll send you later one of them was like h- half english um, but as I think as long as you are just genuine and you just explain everything, you know, Germans love to know every detail. Like, what would you do with every penny of this money? <laughs> <laughs> then I think there's definitely a chance. Awesome. Yeah, great. Yeah, I mean, I applied for it. I think, it, you know, everyone should just apply for it. Why not? Yeah, why not? Yeah. But that's the thing. That's That's one of those cool things about... Germany that uh, like does definitely support artistry more than some other countries do. Sure, definitely. That like yeah, like we said, those that kind of level of support just doesn't exist in in the UK, which is amazing that so much good shit comes out of the UK and because there literally isn't any support. It's a really odd kind of uh, contradiction. What um. So you just, how long have you lived in Hamburg now? Like a week or, or so? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, just past two weeks, two and a half weeks. Crazy. Was it, did you already have like a, a friend base set up there or, or a friend? Like, how did you find an apartment and, you know, what kind of visa are you looking at right now? Yeah, so um, I actually 
luckily um a friend of mine was already renting a room to me and another friend where we um were leaving like our music gear in this room and uh, splitting the rent between us to um to so we would have like all our merch and and gear here for when we wanted to come and play gigs and um and also do some busking um so i basically just took over that room in in this uh, in my mate's apartment so that oh, that's was great relatively yeah simple yeah, and it's it's a really nice room. I've got enough space to set up my like home studio setup, and it's right in the centre, so it's dead easy to kind of access the city. And, um, yeah, and I'm in the middle of applying for a, uh, an artist visa, but I can't let me get hold of anyone. <laughs> I actually went went to the office this morning because I've been told that I have to call a number between. Uh, 9 and 12 on Wednesday or Friday and I've been doing that since I've come here and it's it's always engaged <laughs> it's just oh my like God. always engaged so yeah so I decided I'm just going to walk walk there and, and see you know if I can talk and yeah they told me that there's no chance and that I need to just really they said there's no chance yeah there was, I just talked to some kind of security guard and he, he wouldn't like let me talk to anyone without the appointment and uh and i was like i can't get an appointment if no one picks up the phone and he's like yeah you know not my problem oh you meant no chance to get an appointment i thought for a second someone there told you there's no chance for an artist visa no 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 i was like that Uh, was fast (laughs) (laughs) yeah no i'm hoping that's that's gonna be not so much of a problem once once i get the ball rolling but the hard part is just actually booking an appointment yeah, the only like I'm really happy that you're in Germany now because it that does mean that there's more opportunities to cross paths in the in the music world. Um, but I am a little bit anxious for you as someone who went through so much bureaucracy to live here. <laughs> I'm a little bit anxious for you. Like I know what this process is gonna be like, and I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's gonna be maybe it's gonna be no problem. Maybe because it's the north is a little different from Bavaria was stricter for me. And I heard that from different people that they, they moved to Berlin and it was no issue, but in Bavaria, they want certain requirements. Like I have to, uh, like actually I'm taking the test in like two weeks, but I still have to pass uh, a B1 level German, like official state test. Um, Really? And that's just to maintain your, your working visa. Yeah, basically, it's like the final step. I had to take an A1 um, maybe a, a two years ago, and then now I have to take the B1, and then that gives me quite a good break. Then I've got some years on the visa before I have to think about it anymore. But it's been like a constant back and forth of phone calls and the KVR and um, emails and pr- dude, the, they want you to print out so much paperwork and fill out so much paperwork. You'd think they had taken down a forest and then yeah. you get this stack of paperwork. You have to scan it, make it into a PDF and then send it in or bring it there yourself or put it in the post or you have to wait for a code in the post, which takes two weeks to get this thing opened up, have an app and make your ID with your face and then Finally, there's like, okay, insurance is set up. Okay, bank account is set up. Okay, now here's my visa arrangement. It's just such a such a job, but um, 
obviously worth it (laughs) yeah i mean i i didn't have uh i didn't get the impression it's it's that hard in in hamburg i've got a few um i think like i know three or four um australian musicians that live here and have a visa and um they were like yeah you know i mean that they they from my research, the the uh, like a normal working visa seemed pretty complicated, and then the like the artist visa was like basically show show them that you've got a website and tell them how much you hope to make, <laughs> and that'll do. <laughs> oh well, maybe oh man, maybe Ham, maybe Munich was the wrong city then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man, yeah. I heard it's. I heard it is easier for artist visas in the north. So it could be. It could be true. Maybe it's just about getting that appointment set up. Yeah, hopefully, fingers crossed. And so, what does your like so far with twenty twenty two? What does your um like your concert list look like? And are you recording new music right now? Yes, uh, I'm just at the moment. Um, kind of in the final stages of, of finishing uh, an album um, oh that's great man. I'm, yeah I've, I've got like six or seven tunes done and mixed I've I've been uh, I've been producing and mixing this album myself um, and I'm I've got like another four tunes that have got a variety of things that need doing on them for like a li- most of the tracking's done Although, yeah, this this album's been quite a, a, an existential nightmare for me, really, just because I've I've uh, been so up and down with it of like love and hate, and um, you know, one one minute I think a tune's good enough, and the next minute I want to like tear it apart and start again. So um, I was going to ask not... if you're if you're very self critical with your with your own music. Yeah, I think I think I'm becoming more like that. I think in the past when I recorded an, an album, I would just I would get the tunes, get the good, um, good some good good musicians in the studio, and I would just knock the tunes out as quick as possible to to cut down on studio time, you know. Yeah. And um, and then I would just I would accept whatever came out of it. And for this one, I consciously didn't want to do that. I didn't want to make any compromises, um, which is fine on the on the front of it. But actually, that is kind of a mistake because what it's meant is that I've not been happy with any of it because I've like set oh. the bar too high, and um, I've, I, I don't even want to think how much money I've spent on this album. I've, I've done maybe like seven different sessions that that I've just like discarded and then started again. And, uh, yeah, oh man. Uh, I know, but I've, I've definitely, it's, it's been a journey and I've, I've kind of come full circle and got to the point where I'm like, okay, this is good enough now. I need to, uh, you know, get it done because it's, it's taking otherwise too long you, and too, too much money. So. I was going to say like other, if you don't just get it done, then otherwise you just never will. It's one of, like, I know those types of projects where you, you, you refresh and rewrite and remodel and re-record the same handful of songs. And I, like, I had, I had that with a project like three years ago and there's still three or four songs that I just never, never, I never put them out. I just never put them on the latest album. I didn't put it on anything. They're just sitting in some Dropbox holder. Yeah. You know, just wasting away. 
How how personal are you with your lyrics? Like, I mean, not to not to talk about anything that you might be uncomfortable with, but in terms of your breakup and you know moving to a different country, are your lyrics from the past year or two you know straight out of your experiences, or do you tend to you know fictionalize them a bit, tell tell more stories? You know, how does that work for you? Yeah, I mean, it's a bit. It's a bit weird, actually, this this album because I'd say in general I I do fictionalise my lyrics more than have direct uh, kind of brutal honesty. Um, although they they do come along, um, but I'd say in general I I probably avoid it. But the, and so this album that I'm doing now that I've been working on for you know last couple of years and you know some of the tunes are even like maybe three years old which is a bit depressing to to say out loud (laughs) no 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 uh, (laughs) and uh but the weird thing is is like most of the tunes have come from maybe like a, a, a maybe an honest feeling about something or but in general i wouldn't necessarily know what they were about in in particular you know they just had a general vibe um that i identified with but what's super strange now is actually they seem to be telling the story about what i've just gone through um so it's like i kind of wrote about something that's going to happen in the future that has actually happened and oh, that's interesting yeah, it's really kind of surreal now I'm mixing it because some of the lyrics are almost like describing my situation to a T. It's really, really strange. Man, do you, do you think that um, in the next year or so when a lot of bands who recorded projects during the pandemic, do you, what do you think will happen more? Do you think there will be more albums from artists that are um, like directly singing about their, um, I don't want to s- specify too much for anybody, but sort of maybe their depression or their their feeling of being trapped or their feeling of the uncertainty and the confusion of the world? Or do you think there will be more albums that are escapist? Yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I guess, I guess you, you know, it could also be... Um, you know, more kind of uh, empowered lyrics as well, you know, to be, to look at on a more positive light, you know, the, um, you know, people, people finding their, their voice and um, through, through the process of, of isolation and then coming out of it with more of an empowered uh, energy in, in, the, in their messages, maybe. Would you say that, that yours is like that? Um, no. <laughs> no, I'm super depressed. <laughs> uh, well, I, I think we're pretty similar in that way, too. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I remember like um, like three, I guess almost, no, yeah, four years ago now. Wow. I released this album, uh, 12 Songs for 12 Friends, and it was stories and obviously um sort of fantastical uh, you know some things emphasize more than others parts of these stories and it was all literally a song about and dedicated to one friend who changed my life in some way 
And mm-hmm. so for that album, that was that was one of the hardest things I ever had to do was like, how do you write a song for that person? They know it's about them. And you talk about either one experience you had together or a collection of memories or just a feeling you have about them without one making it too cheesy or without making it so specific that no one else will like the song. You know, you always, you also have to make it where someone can put their step into the shoes of the song and without sure, making yeah. it too, you know, yeah, and that that was such a such a difficult thing to do. And then I found myself the next project that I put out last year was a totally different album. I I came across like I came or I approached the recording process completely differently. Like 12 songs for 12 friends was a bit like it sounds like you did where you, you know, would have an, a big studio session with a with a band of professionals that you just try and knock the songs out with. Mm-hmm. And that was fun. You know, you get to jam together, you know, critique a few things together. And then in the end, you're mixing it and changing things. And then for the last album, I think some part of me needed to remind myself of or try and challenge myself like what am I actually able to do in a studio and what, what can I play well? And you know, what, what kind of vibe, like what kind of feeling can I give a song as opposed to, you know, who is this song about, which was very different for me because a lot of my songs lyrically tend to be about real people. They just have like fictionalized aspects to make it a bit more, you know, open for anybody. Um, and so that one was just me and my friend Tim sitting in a studio for like five days and he and I played everything on it and then I would go in and listen to a song and after a month of listening, we would go in and sometimes just delete half of it. Like I would say the first minute sounds good, the second half I don't like the repetition here or I don't like what I did and we would just literally highlight that section and just click delete and then I have to, I would have to think of like a new way to um, to extend it or to change it or make it interesting. And that was so so fun and, and liberating too. And I'm really curious, like, what is your favorite way of doing? Like, if you had all the money in the world, what would be your favorite way to do an album? I think it would be if I had all the money in the world, would be to. Um just live in a an amazing studio for like three months with amazing musicians that were just at my beck and call with amazing sound engineers also just with all everything turned on at all hours of the day and then just constantly jamming and and yeah like you say kind of uh, reflecting on jams picking out the the sweet spots working on that and just yeah just living surrounded by every amenity that's needed to to be creative um which i i sometimes wonder like if you know i you know maybe i'm already surrounded by that and i'm just uh, giving myself excuses by saying oh yeah but i don't have this amazing studio but um yeah that would be my uh, my dream way of doing it Man, it sounds pretty sweet. <laughs> I think I'd have to agree. Um, pretty unrealistic, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, who knows how things might change in a few years for anybody, really. I mean, now the, nowadays everything is so up in the air with how people 
promote or manage themselves online and how, what people want and what they're looking for. It seems like it's almost hard to follow a pattern of success because everyone's story is really strangely different and random. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it seems like it yeah. used to be back in the day. Oh, you're a folk musician who played in Greenwich, uh, Greenwich, Greenwich village. Okay. Well, you know, you're signed now, <laughs> you know, and yeah. then that changed into uh, all kinds of different platforms and ways. But now it's so widespread that um, it's really hard to see like, well, what does work? Should I just, just put things on SoundCloud or should I try and really focus on Spotify playlists or should I just play a lot of concerts so more people see, you know, there's no, you have to try and do a lot of things and hope that one of them is the one that helps you get the most uh, new listeners. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do, do you feel that I, way? I, yeah. I, um, I actually started a, a Patreon uh, last week, um, which is uh, interesting and I, when when I look at uh, Patreon, I, I, I can see that being uh, the future of, of the music industry in a way. You know, maybe not that particular platform, but the you know, in terms of like subscribing to uh, independent artists, the the fans subscribe to the you know small maybe smaller artists that they uh, are fond on, and and then. Uh, you know, enabling them to, to to survive by and just having this kind of much closer connection and interaction with the artists and fan base, where they they've kind of they're building the community within this kind of little bubble that's supporting the artists. It's uh, yeah, well, that's the hope anyway. So, Absolutely. So far, I've only got my mum sending me some money. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, we've all definitely been there several, several times. Thank you, mom. She listens to the show. <laughs> um, yeah. I, yeah, man. Patreon is. Do you, is, do, you do that? Yeah. With Patreon. Yeah. Yeah, we set one up. Um, What's well, it's under my name? So it was it was a combination. Like I wanted there to be a way where because we don't have any obviously sponsors for the podcast, so. I wanted there to be a way that if people are really dedicated to listening, which, you know, a few are that if they wanted to support the podcast, they could, you know, donate like a couple of bucks a month or something sort of as a subscription payment. And then I I thought I could also offer a few different things like um, so some of the side projects I have in Munich that I also put on patreon and if you haven't set it up for yourself i think you could also probably make some decent cash on fiverr do you know fiverr no no it's uh like five rr fiverr and it's uh it's an app basically where you offer services for money a bit like patreon like you know maybe on patreon you have like private concert for x amount of money and for Fiverr, you could say, you know, online guitar lesson or, um, you know, blues history thing or singing lessons or something. So it's kind of like that. And okay. what I do, what I do here, like one of my side jobs is there's a composer in Munich who works for television and film. And I, I write the lyrics for his songs. And oh, great. so that was a that was like such an easy easy answer for me of like, well, what are some things I can offer on Patreon and Fiverr? Well, like, why don't I just offer for non-native speakers when you could do this too, to offer like writing English lyrics for them or or proofreading their own, you know, for a reasonable short fee, depending on how much it is. And, 
Um, again, just these little small things. Yeah, I set it up. I wouldn't say it's been like a major success, but I, <laughs> I had a, a few people come through to, to ask for a few things. Do you remember when Spotify, I don't know if they still have it or not, but when Spotify set up this like donate to the artist link automatically on your page? Yeah, I I got that. Yeah, I don't know if it was automatic, but I remember like going through the uh, artist's profile on Spotify and, and seeing that that was a thing, and I I set it up. And I think since I set it up, I've maybe had two people donate something. Same, um, same. I didn't. Yeah, yeah I, I saw that on every every single band's page that wasn't a, you know internationally known major artist had that donate button on there. I was like, man, again, it's kind of like a watered down thing. If, if someone, you know, I, I think the better support than that probably is if they really like that band to just buy the merch, buy it, buy a vinyl, buy a shirt, buy a bag or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was probably like the, the, the best thing from the last album was, was the, was the, interesting little merch sales like i had this tote bag that i really like and people people bought that so that that was helpful you know anything is helpful yeah sure yeah that's it you've just got to um find as many as many avenues of uh making money through through music and, and what you do to as possible I had... I was, i'm thinking about uh trying to Starting up a, an open mic in in Hamburg because uh, I just noticed there isn't really any. Um, that was going to be my next question. Actually, was about open mics um, because when I moved to Munich, I spent that first year basically playing every open mic that there is in Munich every week for a few months, so that mm-hmm. I could you know kind of get to know the locals and meet, you know make some friends. And eventually, I found um, my longtime drummer and friend through that process. And I was going to ask, you know, you said there's a little community in Hamburg that you're you're getting into right now. Did you have to? Did you look up uh, look up things online, or did you know through friends already, or through your previous concerts there? Yeah, I mean, I guess I've been because I've been um, touring around Germany and uh, and a lot in Hamburg for the last, I guess, eight or nine years, and. Um, and I've played a lot on the streets in Hamburg, done a lot of busking, and that's probably been the best form of um, getting to know the city and the musicians and the venues within. Um, just because you know people tend to come up to you and and chat when you when you're playing on the streets, um, and as a result, now you know I have a lot of you know very close friends and. Uh, a good kind of sense of the of the network of musicians in in Hamburg. Oh, that's awesome! Then, so you already have like a, a foot in the door a little bit towards building something there. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I think it'd be great. You should definitely set up an open mic there because I I know that. Um, well, I would love to come through and play it. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, cool. Yeah, more than welcome. Um, well, man, I think I've taken up probably enough of your time today, but I wanted you to please plug any links or channels that you want, uh, that any, you know, anyone listening to go check out. Cool, man. Uh, yeah. So yeah, like I said, my, uh, my Patreon that I just set up, patreon.com forward slash John Kenzie, John without a H. Um, 
join join my mum in supporting me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I do actually have more more than that. <laughs> sure, me too, John. Wink. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then yeah, I guess like yeah, we got my uh, my website, johnkenzie.com and. Um, don't bother following me on Facebook because for some reason, some glitch, I no longer have admin access to my Facebook page. So it's it's still there, but I, it's just, it looks like I've died or something because I haven't been able to do anything to it for like a year and a half. Do you, do you have like so a current great. favorite social media? Are you into that at all? Like Instagram or TikTok or anything? Yeah, Instagram, I guess, is my thing. I think TikTok just um, makes my brain itch. So I, I kind of avoided it. <laughs> I think, <laughs> yeah, I got, I got ridiculously addicted to it. So stay, you know, keep yourself sane as long as you can. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Instagram is, is, the, is my one, I guess. And um, this um, this episode is going to come out on March 3rd. So are there any shows okay. for people listening around Hamburg where they could see you soon? Yes. On March 18th, I'm playing at Birdland, um, which is like a really funky jazz venue in in Hamburg at uh, Gitnikstrasse, I think it is. Um, nice. Yeah. Yeah, really nice venue, and that should be good vibes. Cool, man. Well, thank you so much for, wow, talking for an hour with me. That's so nice of you. And congr- My pleasure, man. Thank you for having me. Of course. We should have had you on a long time ago, and we're going to bring you back uh, after a few months, after you've settled in and catch up with you. I'd love to do that if you're interested. Yeah, great, great. And nice, man. Well, everyone, go check out John Kenzie's music. Super talented guy. Very friendly, as you can tell. And a good man to have on this side of the ocean. (laughs) (laughs) Cool, dude. Take care, and uh, I'll I'll speak to you soon. All right. Sounds good, John. See you later. Cheers, mate. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. So, a lovely conversation with John Kenzie. He's such a lovely guy, super nice. Uh, I apologize for any little moments of, you know, poor audio quality on my part. You know, we don't have Mo here. Mo's the professional. Mo comes through, mixes everything beautifully, cuts it up a little bit. I'm a little raw dog, you know? I'm a little big-eared puppy who comes in here and says, well, I, you know, I really want to interview John. He's such a cool guy, and we haven't had him on the show before, but the best way that I can do it is to put my phone up to the microphone, and, you know, well, you're going to get what you're going to get. But I think that I think it came out fine enough. John speaks nice and clearly. He's not like Matt Austin. Ugh, that guy drags. I'm kidding. I love you, Matt, and I want you back on the show. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, again, like John said, go support his music. Go check him out. He's got beautiful, beautiful, beautiful music. And, of course, if you want to support this show, you should go to patreon.com slash Prince. Go to patreon.com slash johnkenzie and then patreon.com slash Prince and support your artists. Um, yeah, I think that's it for the day. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, follow us on in- on Instagram at artsyfartsyimmigrants. Uh TikTok, Artsy Fartsy Pod. YouTube videos coming up next month. Thank you. Much love and bye bye.